Hello and welcome to a live, an in-person edition, mid-pandemic. Oh. Chase Center, let's go. United Club Chase Center, one of uh, about 75 humans in the building tonight uh, for the biggest game of the early season for the Warriors, at least from a... I wouldn't want to say drama standpoint, just from a you know pregame storyline standpoint, uh, just because it's Kevin Durant back in the Bay Area. The game the wasn't good. Turn of KD to the Bay, it was a love affair, before and after a throttling. No matter how much love and how much uh, memories and nostalgia, the result was the same. <laughs> the Warriors got smacked by Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, we don't really need to talk that much about the game. I mean, we, we can at some point, but, you know, we can make it a kind of a Durant conversation. Um, you mentioned the love affair. Pre-game quotes on both sides, whereas, you know, they weren't, like, glowing, but they were as cordial as could be. Um, clearly, you know, and this, this goes back to the opener. I mean, every time, or even last year, I remember being in Brooklyn. You know, he, he didn't play, but he was in the building, and there's handshakes, high fives. Um, Crack up sessions with him and Steph, hugs for all the coaches. Celebrini tonight got a nice hug. Celebrini got some love. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the Thunder breakup and how poorly that went um, on both sides. Both sides were to blame. Durant for some of of it, and the Thunder obviously. And there was just harsher feelings. It was it was a fresher wound. No titles, deeper connection, all that. But. He clearly, and I, he has said this too. He he just he didn't want his second breakup with the franchise to be nearly as rough as his first. And the Warriors walked Kevin Durant through that breakup, and they saw how bad it was. Remember when they went back to oh, Oklahoma yeah. City? We oh, were in that yeah. building. Cupcakes, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, um, and so we both know that it wasn't like the the rosiest at the end of the breakup. But I think all sides have have understood. They did a lot of great things. Let's just be cool. Yeah, I definitely think there was some trauma from the first time, right? That makes makes things a little bit different. I uh, also, also think, you know, they won. the Warriors weren't going to do – yeah, they did win titles. The Warriors were going to – they're going to – they've been trying to bend over backwards to not be that, like from the front office on down, right? They, they just don't want to be the bitter team who got left. And they've been very clear about that. I also think it helps that he's on a pretty good team. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it helps that he can walk in here and be superior, right? And that's clearly not totally it because the same thing was true when he was with the Warriors and it was Oklahoma City. That Oklahoma City yeah. crowd did not want the Warriors to come in and beat them up. At all, right? But he, you know, he's in a, he's in a good place. It just seems like he has gotten a step forward. You know, I was thinking about it as you said it. This was a long time ago. I guess it's June 2019. Like, that's a long time ago. I mean, a lot of time has passed. A lot of life has happened. A lot of, like, change has happened. Like, you know, the Draymond Durant argument actually happened in the year of 2018. It was November. 20, November 2018. But yeah, yeah. yeah, that argument, which basically was the beginning of the end. Now they had to stay together and try to win. But More than two years ago. Yeah. Right? So it's like... I mean, they're they're older, right? They're in their thirties. Like he's out of the conference and on a team that is not a rival at all. Warriors Thunder were like squared yes, up, absolutely. still as a rival, right? Yeah. So there, there's a lot of factors that that led to this, uh, and in many ways, it feels like we might have missed the intensity that would have happened, right? Because he got hurt, and now 
you got, you know, this situation with no clay, and then you throw in the pandemic and no fans. So it feels like we might not get that heated thing. And I think No I'm Oracle. Okay yeah. I think I'm okay with that, though. I think, uh, I think we've had enough of that over three years. Oh, yeah. No. Um, we didn't need to, to see another cupcake game. <laughs> Once no, no. was enough. Um, Yo, that cupcake game was epic, though. <laughs> Unforgettable. I've never seen anything like that in my life, yo. And I grew up in Oakland Athletic League where your bus might get flipped over. But that, ooh. That was a stunning regular season event to attend. Just the signs alone, right? The signs were, were, they were were incredible and also insane at the same time. If you had to tell me what, like, what's the one regular season game in your entire writing career that you remember most, it would be that one. I don't know where you are. Regular season game. Oh no! Yeah, no question. I think um, seventy three would be pretty big, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely top five. Just, but just like, atmospherically, you know the crazy part is like if I do name some games, they're gonna be like significant marker games, right? It's gonna be like Clay thirty seven and a quarter, right? That game was kind of a blowout. Like the cupcake game wasn't even that good of a game. It was the atmosphere that you could literally feel it in your soul. The lead up too. Remember, I, you know, it's kind of I did like a, a story looking at going back at all the Durant yeah. moments from the years, and you know, I was trying to like really kind of find archives of of different videos and interviews and stuff, and I found like Draymond Green the night before the. the Oklahoma City had put security at the hotel, like on the floor oh, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was was the Westbrook photography thing before the cupcake? Yeah, game no, that was that was like fifth game of the season. He came to Oracle with oh, the gosh, photography okay. that night. Uh, some of the stuff I remember was Wanda Durant. His mom was at the game and like yeah. standing up, and there was like, yeah, that was. There's a lot. Everybody's matured, man. Everybody's grown up, right? Everybody's gotten older and wiser, and much less hung up on these like kind of rivalries. They. I mean, credit to them. They just don't feel as important, and they get that, right? Like, like while the country is going through what it's going through, yeah. like, people just don't feel like basketball beef should be taking priority right now. And I, I think that's... They're correct. Great, right? I think <laughs> Doesn't help ratings, though. I no. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some. Uh, I'd love some, to see the cupcake games games rated. What was the ratings oh, for cupcake? That's games? a great question, right? What was it in Oklahoma City? Ooh, the local ninety-seven percent. Uh, was there anybody not watching that game? If they were at the game of the cupcake, Yo, I've uh, never time. seen. It, it was a blowout in the second half. The game was over. I remember they checked out and the, they got the hardiest ovation. Yeah, it, was it was like, like thank you for trying. Were, it was like they were. It was the happiest exit for a team that just got blown out. I've ever. It's, it's surreal. Well, yeah, because part of that was remember what that was the uh, where Westbrook and Durant were going back to separate yes. benches and they hadn't spoken yet. It was like the first time they had actually physically spoke since he left. And he, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, we should move on a, a little bit uh, Durant tonight I mean he didn't have some like explosive type game but he's just so smooth and in the flow and just looks you know really like kind of like himself I mean I honestly was expecting like if he can get back to 80 85 percent of himself that would make him still like a top 20 top 25 player in the league which is still you know obviously uh, an all-star he really lo- I mean I don't know what percentage you'd put it at maybe 95 let's say percent of himself he's still probably top five player right now in the e- if the east playoffs start tomorrow he's the player in the east playoffs I would fear the most uh, uh no question yeah. right and absolutely the what what uh, he didn't ha- you like you said he didn't have that explosive a game 
I thought Juan Toscano Anderson did a good job to start just staying in front of him, making him shoot over him. You know, Kevin Durant makes those shots that he was missing, right? But I thought where you saw how good he was was on defense. Like, he got matched up against Steph a few times, and he was really good standing in front of Steph. He was reading all of the plays. Like, they were trying to run the split action, and he's you could tell he coached him up on exactly what was about to happen. Like, he, he was really good on the defensive end. There were a couple possessions where he just decided to get this position. It's like, all right, you're not, you're not getting by me. And he was good at it. So, like, it was that type of, uh, you know, the ability to be great on, on the defensive end and just be regular on, on the offensive end, to me, was a sign of just his growth as a player. The dude is just next level now. Yeah, um, and you know, in the re- in recent days, Steve Kerr has mentioned talking to Clay Thompson and being very encouraged. Like he had an encouraging conversation with Clay about how good Kevin Durant looked, because Clay is obviously going through the Achilles rehab, coming off an an ACL rehab. And yes, I think they're you know because they're similarly aged. I think Katie at this point is thirty two. Clay by the time he comes back will be thirty one, nearly thirty two. Um, so that should provide some encouragement. Now, I think what people are forgetting on this Durant return is, and you were mentioning earlier about how much time has separated, yeah. you know, him actually playing here. Eighteen months, uh, it, because of the pandemic, the stretched out, you know, start to the season. Clay Thompson, if the Warriors expect him to be, you know, something, you know, at least by the early to middle of next season that'll be 11 months 12 months 13 months you know that they're they're requiring a lot more people were talking about how good durant looked this summer i think that's the underrated part of durant's rehab is like those four months where he was fully physically healed yet he didn't have to get on an nba court yet he had four months of really pickup ball and Clay won't really have that. Now, maybe two seasons from now you see that type of Clay, but this is not a franchise that's talking about two seasons from now. They need it from Clay next year. I just think it's interesting. And Kevin did say he, they, he, he's talking to Clay Thompson twice a week right now about Achilles rehab. I thought that was interesting. I, I, I wonder, I don't know what the impact will be. I also wonder, I mean, I think they're coming off the ACL on top of it. There's gotta, it's gotta have some kind of impact, you know. Well, like, what's interesting is the ACL had been healed. It's not like rip the ACL on one leg and then land it and rip the Achilles, and you're healing he, to is it. He the compensating same time. on the other leg, you know, on the ACL leg. Like that's, I, I, mean, don't, I don't know. We just don't know. I just, I'm with you in thinking like these aren't the same situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there, there is some noteworthy differences that might be worth monitoring. You know. But, I mean, you see Clay tonight, like, upset. He got his flannel on. He's over there throwing T-shirts. He's not Sipping happy. Right? Smoothie, yeah, like, <laughs> a weird night. Right? Yeah, it's, he was weird. I, you know who, if we're talking about the game, you know who was actually incredible was James Harden. Like, 16 assists. Yeah. And still does not quite look like he's in uh, prime shape. But he doesn't need to be. I don't think, uh, which uh, is he's odd. Point, he's point beard now. It's just like, yo, I don't even need to do that much. I'm Did he break out of a jog at any point in the game? Facts. Like, I'm trying to <laughs> win. I think he drove a couple times. That might have been more than a jog, maybe. A, a very patient drive. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he just is, he's, got, he's got the game on a yo-yo. Like, it's, they're just cutting around him. Like, the Warriors had no idea what he was doing with the ball. And you know, uh, Butler, uh, what was his name? But, was it Butler Brown? Uh, you're talking it? about Brown? Yeah, was it Bruce Brown? Bruce Brown, I like Butler. Bruce Brown is just like Jeff Green. Getting, they're just finger rolls at the rim. It's just 
because he's playing some slide of hand point guard trick. So, like that, especially from remember when remember it was all I think it was like an All Star game, and Steph was on a hot mic, and he was talking to somebody. And he said, "Well, my heart was saying he want to play a different way, but this is what the franchise want from him." It seems like. You know, I, I remember Steph being not happy that that was on the mic. It might have been a ref mic. No, so it, that was like, you know how they do on a normal All-Star Week? It won't happen this year. I believe it is the Saturday morning practice before yeah. uh, where, you know, they go out and shoot half-court shots and they fill some gym. It, it was that where they showed on NBA TV. And I think it was near um, somebody on the court who had a mic. I mean, half the players had a mic. They, he was just mad that they had – TNT or whoever, NBA TV showed it, aired it, because, I mean, it it really made the Rockets look kind of bad, and I don't think Harden was happy. And especially, but now, this is like the, this, that coming to fruition, like, he looks like a guy who is actually excited about playing a different way. I mean, when Kyrie's like, yeah, you the point guard, just let me go get these buckets, that's a bit of a concession from Kyrie, right? Like, that, Kyrie left LeBron for some for this reason, and now he's like, yo, this is James Harden's show. Yeah, Kyrie's always the guy I was concerned most with on their team, uh, accepting that he's the third best player yeah. because he's the third best player. You know, where Harden can go, look, you know, Durant, I'm still number two. Durant is still number one, so you can just say that. Yeah, I don't, they look good. I don't know. Draymond called them the team to beat in the East. I think their defense has concerns. I think they need front court help. Uh, but they have three good playoff tonight, players. Buddy. <laughs> the Warriors didn't really take advantage of it. No, the Warriors are a, a average to below average offense. And Steph Curry kind of cooled off a little bit tonight. Um, he mentioned it like a, a key stretch of the game was late first quarter where he took a bunch of quick shots because he knew you know he's going to the bench for six minutes. I think he wanted to try to get them a lead heading into the second quarter, mm-hmm. but he missed those quick shots, and that led to transition bucket, transition bucket. Nets go up nine to end the first. It was kind of over. Yeah, that, that was the game. They – they really needed one of these explosive Curry games to really have a... They needed a last absolute, Saturday night, 57. Absolutely. Still got a loss. That's kind of what they needed, though, just to be in the game, just because this is, Brooklyn just has too much firepower. The Warriors help far too much. They're just leaving three-point shooters open all over the place. And if you're going to compete with this team, you've got to take advantage of that defense. You just have to. You've got to cook them. And the Warriors, just, they just couldn't do that. They're, like you said, average to below average on offense. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Give me some Durant. Uh... Memories. What's what out of those three seasons, which was it was action packed. Um, what what do you remember most? Um, I remember the locker room conversations. That's to me like you know he was especially the first year year plus where he you could talk to him about anything. Like he he loved to chat. So those I remember those and the discussions were so like wide ranging. Right, it was just. You know, getting to go, getting to know a guy I didn't know, and he he was man, he was a very talkative, very friendly, very open guy before y'all ruined him and scarred him with all of your y- y'all me why because of media I was talking to the listeners oh okay. you know the, the, the fan base? yeah the fan base who 
It's fan base. It's just fan base. I know, right? No, Andy Lou and them, right? Like, no, but you remember like how he was yeah. when he came? So, well, the, there's this very big split in the Durant Warrior story, and it is between year one and year two. Yes. Um, it just changed um, going into two. But you're right. I think sometimes because of how thorny and dragged out, particularly the third season was, but even that second season, um, you forget how joyful year one was within him, within the team concept, within the team chemistry. I think they won 67 games. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it was how different it was from the Thunder environment. I mean, I remember him being like, hey, we can drink a beer in the locker room. They're playing music during practice. Yeah. <laughs> remember him and Mike Brown were like, yo, they're playing music during practice. They run around yeah. here, right? <laughs> and it was like, hold on, like this media member can come over and like we can just chop it up and like nobody's caught. You know, it's not like you, you've been, have you been like really around the Thunderman? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. going in there a couple of times thinking I could go up to somebody. It just didn't work out that way. <laughs> no. like, the yeah. players are almost like, what are you you're doing? not, yeah. I, that's exactly yeah. how they were. Like, you know, who's this guy? He don't yeah. know how we do it around here. I'm just going up to players chatting. I mean, yeah, you could in some way. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, Nick Collins and Kendrick Perkins over the years. Like, there's times, but it, it's the vibe of that first year Durant locker room with the Warriors compared to just really all of his Thunder seasons. I think, you know, it stunned me because I had come from covering the yeah. Thunder, and I could tell it stunned him. Like, we'd even have, like, conversations about, like, man, this is much different. <laughs> it was, it was uh, KD, Quinn Cook, Andre, Draymond, lockers together in a corner. Like, that little corner over there was like a riot. They're, like, they're ripping on people. They're just talking about stuff, debating about all kind of stuff. You know, I, I remember they like be uh, going back and forth for Chris Haynes, right? Like it was just, it was super lively. And then you go on the road, it's the same thing. Um, I always liked how you could, like Durant just wanted to talk ball. Like he 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 was always down to talk ball. You know it, what? You know you could like debate with him about it. And, you know he he you know tell you basically like yo I'm the pro here right <laughs> figure out a way to like shoot down your argument but he was willing to talk about it that's what i remember most just being in that locker room in that time that locker room was just so lively maybe i'm just missing it because we're now in this situation we we're, we're talking on to players zoom. on zoom but man it used to just be something to walk into the locker room and just you got all these Remember, it was like David West and like you. I mean, just Livingston in the corner. Yeah, Livingston on the corner when you needed something. Yeah, it's just like man. Marcus Cousins that final oh, year. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Final year was tougher though. Final yeah, year well, was different. You know, yeah, final was... year was different. But that first year was a uh, man. That, that, those were those were incredible. I think one of the things I remember is coming over, and this is you know covering him for four years, three years. Uh, in Oklahoma City, and obviously it was people around the Warriors understood that they signed the best free agent on the market, and while, you know, they, they added to this 73-win team, while they added another great player. But I also remember the first few months, people being stunned, like, how good this player was. It wasn't like, you know, they, they signed another all-star to add to their all-star collection. It was like, no, you just signed probably a top 10. It was Cousins yeah. signed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, no, you probably added a top 10 player ever, at least top 10 talent. I don't yes. know what he'll go down as. And you signed him at age 28, where... 
and you're implementing him to him into a system that he is going to mentally comprehend and will only make him better once he gets within the flow of it. And he'll do it quickly because he's a smart basketball player. Um, and I just – I remember early on just people being like, like, we knew we were getting Kevin Durant. We just didn't even know what that even meant. And he gave them – regardless of all the stuff off the court, he gave them three just – unbelievably productive seasons three of his best seasons and we're talking about a career that will go down top 15 ever and you got if you handpick his three seasons at least two of them are these yeah that's that's actually what i'm writing about just man it was almost like this incredible talent who was going down as one of the greatest ever like went to basketball graduate school right <laughs> you know what i'm saying got a phd and now he's like even more ridiculous, right? It's it's really crazy. I, the, what were, I mean, what were his knocks? It was like defense and efficiency, and he came in and he was almost immediately. He was an elite shot blocker more than he was in Oklahoma City. The only the only thing he doesn't do extremely well on the basketball court is box out, um, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll still get you nine rebounds because he's so long yeah. and, and active, and you know he'll get in the fray some. He just doesn't box out that well. But okay, <laughs> imagine that. That'd be perfect, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but yeah, that's just watching him get you thirty points on seventeen shots, right? And do it efficiently, even, even in his unhappiest days. Yes. That, even in that last season where it was like. It is not going well beyond the scenes. Like, it is not. That was obvious to anyone who watched it and very obvious to all of us behind the scenes. And it was like, oh, the ball has tipped off. He's going to score 32. Easy. Yeah. And he's going to be efficient. And they're going to win. And he's going to play in their style. And when they need him to take over, he's going to dominate. Remember, there were stretches he wasn't even shooting the ball, right? It was just like, yeah, I'm taking six But shots. he was like the greatest version yeah, of Harrison Barnes ever. No question. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do feel like, like man, it was – you're right. No – there was no way you could even know. I mean, he was already – you thought he was going to come in. Remember, it was too much ball to go around. It was like, how are they going to do this? And this dude comes in and just becomes this otherworldly player. And, yeah, th- that first year, man, we need to have that again because there was so much happening that first year. It was, it was such a full and riveting year. But th- that's when you have these conversations and they be behind the scenes, like, rolling their eyes. Like, this dude's, this dude's unbelievable. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is how it ended, um, which, you know, Shakespearean in a lot of ways, you know, the, the, right. just the buildup of that season and then the buildup even of the weeks into the Raptors series and the will he play, won't he play all the way through the Raptors series and everything that lingered over him of like, you know, one foot out the door potentially, you know, is he committed? Is he truly a warrior? The KD and the Warriors, he always wanted to be fused, all of that wrapped into then he him fighting his way back onto the court, which in retrospect we all understand much more dangerous for him to do. You know, he you know, he gave away a year of his prime essentially to get back on that court. He didn't know he was gonna do that, but he did. Um it was on the table though. Yeah. So, yeah. Played extremely well in those ten minutes and then tore his Achilles and was out of the building and really gone forever from the Warriors. That was, it. Yeah, that that was, was the last time the Warriors really saw him. I mean yes as you've written, Steph went on a plane and like met with a free agent. But really, he that night by the end of the second quarter, he had left the Warriors franchise, um, and disappeared. Yet I think in a weird way, and I remember it, that was even the feeling that night. He cemented his firm legacy that night by even trying to play. No question. Uh, wherever there was doubt, right? Wherever there was like 
shade about what he was doing, whatever. He he ended all that by literally putting his body on the line. And that's that's what, especially in the Bay, right? That's what people respect, right? That's what makes, it, it's the grind. Like, he showed he was one of them. Uh, he did it on his way out, but, man, you can't really ask for a better thing. That's why, it's, you know, all these dudes are going to always, like, praise him. They're going to always kind of fawn over him because they know what he gave up. Uh, if he doesn't play that game, who who minds? Like, if he doesn't come back in the finals, who who says he's crazy, right? Like, especially if you come to find out later that his Achilles, you know, I know they were saying calf and stuff, but if after the season's over, they're like, man, my Achilles, I couldn't, right? I mean, nobody's going to blame him for that, but there was something about him that wanted to play. There was something about him that wanted to be there. And keep in mind that they were struggling in that series. Remember, Clay got hurt and didn't play, I think it was game three, they just needed him. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just coming here to get it. It was like, yo, they kind of needed somebody to come save him. For 10 minutes, he completely changed the series. Absolutely. That entire Absolutely. building and, and everybody on press over. row. They knew it was over. He, he, they didn't necessarily knew it was over because they were going to get three cracks, but they knew that no, they no, were getting three cr- yeah. cracks at a monster that yeah, was good. going to be difficult to like, say. uh-oh, here are the Warriors now, right? Like, here's the full thing. Yeah. This is tough. But yeah, he just, I, I think once he did that, he became like, there was no, there was no more you could say against him. There was no more, like every, whatever slight you had against him, you had to put that aside and respect the fact that he came out and played. So I, I think when, whenever he comes here and there's people here, it's going to be a reception. Like I was trying to think of who, who will it match I think the biggest, the the biggest, most hearty reception I remember is when Jason Richardson came back. Like, it, it it's gonna top that. Right? I would it's gonna, say, yeah, I would it's, say. Gonna, it's gonna top that. Like, there, I don't think there's gonna be one that matches it just because he gave you three titles. Yeah, Iguodala got a really good one. Um, that's right. Iguodala yeah, did, yeah. That was in Chase. The weird thing is, it won't be an Oracle. That's, yeah, that's that's the unique part. But I yeah. think the Iguodala. I, I mean, the stuff also. that could potentially top it is a Clay, a Draymond, or a Steph return if they ever leave. Um, but Durant's will be right up there. No question. Probably the only one. Who top. Yeah, Clay, Steph, Draymond. They w- those three would if top left, it, but they would have to leave first. Anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's going to be a moment, right? And I think it's going to be a moment that KD won't even be able to kind of, you know, he was cool tonight. Like, I'm going to be cool, and after the game, I'll do the hugs. But he was cool. He, you know, the, the front office gave him a standing ovation. He acknowledged it. You know what's nah, funny? he's going to crown the only one yeah, when they get him. That, that will mean a lot. Yeah. But that still isn't the moment he needs in his career. That's in Oklahoma City. And I, I think he, I think eventually he'll get it. That's – I agree with that. Yeah. I that's the that. – like, those two sides at some point need to come together and, like, acknowledge – what they were for each other but you know that's another podcast for another day <laughs> you, you think it'll happen eventually yes um while he's playing late career i wouldn't even be absolutely stunned if like he did a swan song there i don't know i mean we'll see that's i don't know i heard he was doing a swan song with the Warriors. <laughs> no, hey, he's got a lot of years left clearly i mean you saw him you saw him tonight <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, we will talk to you sometime this week. They played the Heat and the Cavaliers to close the homestand.